Hey listeners, we have a new partner to bring you even more laughs. Cottage Comedy Digital brings you the very best in comedy specials, albums, podcasts, and original series. Check out cottagecomedy.com for all their hilarious content. Welcome to Moms Are Not Funny, the podcast where we, two wannabe comics, interview comedians about the moms that influence them and their sense of humor. We will also chat about their favorite mom comedians and the impact they've had in the comedy world. I'm Jen Richardson. And I'm Christine Hall. So we have Rob Mayute with us today. He's a stand-up comedian, originally from Windsor, uh, based out of Chicago now. He is also the creator of our comedy festival, which is held in Toronto, Ontario. Thanks for being with us, Rob. No problem. Yeah, thank you. This is great. So maybe uh, what we can start with is how the Dark Festival, Dark Comedy Festival, came to be and um, what it's all about. Um, I was just not busy enough. Like I, it was just a make work project for myself because I was a young comic and I was like, I, I always like, I've realized at this point in my life, I kind of just wish things into existence. So, like, as a young comic, I was kind of like, I like to hang out with, like, Jim Jeffries. So, I was like, all right, well, I'll just make a thing. And then, like, you'll, you know, it's very Field of Dreams, I guess, was just like, if you build it, they will come. And so, I got a bunch of people to come to it. And then it kind of worked. It never was like, the funny thing is, I'm not a good promoter in any way. I'm good at, like, going, like, oh, that comic's really good. I bet you people are going to like him in, like, six months. I'm good at that. Or her. Sorry ladies. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm good at that. But I was never good at like promoting. I don't know. I literally just like was like, I don't know, po- I'll put some posters up. Is that how you do it? Like I was never at cutting edge of like being ahead on social media shit. I'm not good at any of that stuff. I always could have used somebody handling all of that. But it's just me. I was just like, I'll put on a thing. Comedy bar in Toronto was new at the time. They were still looking for ways to get people in. So it was like, uh, you know, made sense to do a bunch of shit there. I think the first year also we tried like a contest, which I now hate in retrospect, but was fun. And Tyler Morrison, who you had on yes. here one. So uh, that's how like that was the be- the beginning of our budding friendship. So, you know, long windedly. Yeah, I just did a thing for myself. It's always just been about me. I book all these people, <laughs> all this money. Just about me. I just get to open up for people a bunch. It's the Rob May. It should be just called the Rob Mayu Comedy Festival. But I just need <laughs> a name for it. So, you know. And uh, why did you end up in Chicago? Um, or how? So, uh, well, Megabus. Um, <laughs> With Rob Ford on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I literally, uh, no, I, yeah, I've moved the... I've moved countries on Megabus three times now. I moved from Toronto to New York on a Megabus. Just like that's how little things I own most of the time is I could just put them in the in a bag and put them at the bottom of a fucking like Greyhound. I didn't um, know people actually took Megabuses. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, <laughs> I mean, Toronto to New York, there's a 12 hour Megabus, but it goes through the middle of the night. So like when I was like just a you know super broke comic that just wanted to go to New York to like see New York and not spend any money. Before I even had couches to crash on, I would just take this mega bus. It was like a dollar sometimes. And you take the night one so that you can just sleep on the bus through the night. You try to eat an edible or something like, you know, before you get on the bus. <laughs> and then um, you sleep through the night. You wake up in New York. You, and then you just sleep in a hostel for a couple of days. 
and then you take like a first thing in the morning mega bus back. It was the best. I mean, I wish I was still like, there was something so charming about being that poor and still like pulling shit like that off. It was cool. But, um, anyways, yeah, no, I moved in a mega bus, but that's not the point. I moved here cause, uh, New York got crazy expensive. I was like falling behind on just like how much, it, how hard it was to keep up with that. And then like the compromise of like, you gotta, uh, the visa I'm on, I have to do live comedy. So I gotta go on the road. I gotta do road stuff. So paying to live in New York while having to like be on the road that much became like hard to justify why you're paying to live in this place, whatever. Chicago was really good. It's not expensive to live here. Um, I know, you know, there's a part of it where you constantly murder, but you'd, you'd never really go to that part anyways, to be honest with you. And like, it was just the rent is not bad here. The winter is fucking horrific, but like, and there's a lot of work. There's three comedy clubs. So is it worse than Toronto? The winter? Yeah, it's the worst place I've ever lived winter-wise. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why it's worse than Toronto. It doesn't technically make sense. Maybe I just am unlucky for the couple winters I've been here, but they're fucking bad. Um, I planned all my – like I made sure this year – I was like, I got road work in down south, like, January, February to make sure. And then the world shut down or whatever, but, you know. Yeah. Um, right before, I, I snuck a lot of, like, southern road stuff in to keep myself warm. Yeah, it sucks, but it's that's the price you pay to not like. I mean, I have a uh, I have a rooftop deck and a fucking indoor pool here and a beautiful oh, gym. Nice. Like, yeah, I'm living nicely, but you know, it's cold, so that's the trade off. And have you been keeping busy uh, while you're not doing like you can't go on the road and stuff? So you're keeping. Oh, I've, I'm going into the wild. Uh, I've just been like, I, at the beginning, I just drove around the country, um, like from here to down to New Mexico. And then like, so like into the desert, into like deserty mountains and then like desert, desert, then through Utah and saw like all the, you know, arches and like the national parks. It's not, the national parks weren't open yet. The state parks just opened before I got there. So it was like, it was interesting because there was this like, Cause nobody was doing anything. I mean, it was like right at the right point where it was still crazy spooky, but it was still like, but like things were in like driving through Oklahoma. I went to the Joe exotic zoo the second day it was open. It was like, <laughs> no, we went in with mask on and it was like, immediately they were like, we looked around and we're like, well, we're not going to be the only people wearing masks. That's just stupid. Like there's not even a reason for it at this point. So like, let that you know whatever Oklahoma did not give a shit and then uh Texas we only went through Texas for a minute because we went to it I was also at the time I was doing this the helium helium comedy clubs had this like uh national roast contest going on that me and Tyler were a part of and uh, so I would have to just like I wanted to do this road trip but it coincided with this thing so I'd have to, I'd be roasting from the back of a drive-in movie theater in Amarillo, Texas. <laughs> and I had to find a spot with like Wi-Fi and shit. Um, but it was amazing. There would be all these people in the state parks that were like these like old veterans of these parks. And they just come up and be like, you'll never see it like this again. Like, uh, you know, you usually have to like wait for like half an hour to like get to go up to see this like one thing. And it was just empty. You can so, actually experience the nature. It was like you could really just go be alone in these like crazy spaces. It's made me fall in love with America in a way, finally, 
that I know I hadn't been able to because like, you know, the way America's run and the people <laughs> and the <whatever. laughs> Um, there's a lot to dislike about it and it's always been like there's new york there's new york and new york is a beacon of like what america could be in america but like the rest of it's a little rough and uh but now i see the nature side of it and it's like well it's a beautiful country i mean america is a beautiful beautiful like the topography so different from one part to another it's a beautiful like just go all the people should just be woods people. Like I almost get why they're like <laughs> gunny rednecks here. Cause you're like, well, yeah, that's the best part of the whole country is the gunny redneck part. It's just for <laughs> you, unfortunately, but like, you know, just go do that. Cause it seems like that's the funnest thing about all of this. New Mexico is awesome. Like I didn't know New Mexico was awesome. I assumed New Mexico was a shithole, but like it was kind of, it's kind of rules. It's funny how much of it rules that way you just got to get away from people and i'm sure once the pandemic was over i'd hate those places again but yeah <laughs> it would all come back i went but to wait. washington state and climbed the mountain that's crazy so, it's not that crazy like grandmas did it too but it was still like you know, <laughs> it was a, grandmas, like a mountainous hell. hill <laughs> yeah no it, it, it's like the fifth highest mountain and whatever it's just that like these fucking washington people washington folk are all different they just like grandma's just been climbing this mountain for 45 years. So she can still just do it. You know, like that's cool. Yeah. I, w I went to a three or four day music festival in Washington state state at George Washington at the gorge. Okay. You heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's the coolest venue and it's and the it's only cool thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, like, cool. All right. That's good. Yeah, like um, you sit on a hill and the stage is below, and then there's rolling mountains behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they have like a similar thing at Red Rocks. Yeah, it's yeah. Amazing. You got to, I got to imagine as the act how cool that is because the act gets the best view of like looking out into things like most of the time. Well, they like, face the other way though. Like they oh, face okay. our awful faces where we're <laughs> facing them and the gloriousness behind them. Like when the sun sets yeah, behind. Yeah, that's bad. That's a better. Because Red Rocks, the way it's set up, is kind of the rock band gets to enjoy. Oh yeah, mm. rocks really. You know, what I think about it, but it's it's I'm sure it's still nice. Um, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do right now is set up a tour of like outside venues. It's proving to be a really tricky fucking thing to do. It like to find enough of these outdoor spaces, but like in Texas and stuff, they just have like these like stages they just have at the back of a bar because it's nice enough most of the time for them to just rock out and have some fucking Miller lights in the back. So I figure if I could find enough of these, you can kind of tour these like, because uh, comedy's dead inside. As far as I'm concerned, I don't want to do a show for the rest of the year, like inside. I don't think it's just, not, it's just not going to feel right. Like comedy is so much about like the vibe. You can't have the vibe be like, are we all going to die after? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. So What's that? I wonder what it's going to mean for comedy in the winter then when you can't do outside shows, unless everybody's in parkas. No, we're going to have to take probably a little time off. I mean, look, I, I'm saying it because it just seems who knows what I'll do in the U S for that time. Like I'm going to try to do these outside tours in like Texas and like, see if I can do some of them a little earlier up North. Like I'm trying to like, I literally, you've got to plan around the weather now, uh, which is another thing you did. I didn't think I'd have to be like thinking about, it, when it comes to touring is like how hot is it going to be outside is it going to rain um so 
all that's going to be hard to figure out. And like, you look, there's already comedy happening indoors right now. I mean, I'm being hyperbolic when I say there won't be any, but it's like, is it any fun? Like, I, I mean, I just can't imagine like having to worry about so many things inside. I think outside it's like, at least it's like, I don't know. We all protested and didn't get it apparently. So like, you know what I mean? Like I was standing with like a thousand people out there and we didn't get it. I mean, are, you know. Are there any Southern states that don't have COVID parties where you could just tour around the state and you don't have, like, it's not a hotbed. So New Mexico is what actually is amazing. And like, okay. so I'm going to try to, you know, and again, like I'm hoping cause it's outdoors. I'll be okay. But New Mexico is great. The thing I love about New Mexico is, I mean, obviously the landscape and everything is beautiful. Um, but it, and it had all that like America freedom hurrah, but it didn't feel like they were going to try to lynch people. Like it, it, it had like the nice vibe of that. Like it's a very native, you know, like I think so much of it's native that they can't really be racist. Like it kind of protects them from that, like vibe of like, this is the only white place. Cause you're like, well, it's clearly not. So like, what are we even pretending? And it's called new Mexico. So like, you know, it just like kind of gets rid of all that. I feel like, like there's a city and I shouldn't even fucking, actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to do them a service and just not say the name of the city. Um, and I'm going to make it a habit of not bringing up the name of the city because I don't want to fuck it up for them. But there's this little town. It's like a ghost town, but it's just like pull surprise winners and like rogue scholars. Like it's all these like intellectuals from the East and the West coast move to this little town. It's like only like 250 people. And it's like close to, I mean, I'm giving too many hints, but it's close to Santa Fe and Albuquerque. It's like kind of right in between. And it's like off, but it's, I, I've become obsessed with it. Cause I just stayed in an Airbnb there. And now I'm like, I want to buy acreage and just like live, like have just acreage out there and like re retire my dad there or something. Like I want to, like, I don't know. I fell in love with it. New Mexico was very cool. Do they only sell land to people with like post-doctorates? Um, I don't think so. I just think that no, you know, most people don't think to live there and it just, I'm sure it was just a matter of, I don't think they probably even all live there, live there. I'm sure it's like a seasonal situation and they have like other places. Like I imagine that most people, that's how they're doing it. But it was just like, I don't know. I never, I feel like I never want to own like a thing in a city again. Cause I'm only ever going to own a condo. I'm never going to own a fucking piece of land in a city that I'm going to need to live in. So just like own a thing over there and just rent in the city and go back and forth. Like, you know, a pandemic hits and you start thinking about all this shit. Who knows yeah. what I'll feel in two years. In two years, I might be like, eh, beat it. But, you know, I was right now. To go off grid. It I just like, feels, you know, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking off gridding, but then it's so much work. I'm like, I'd rather like take my chances and die. Um, I'm, not, I'm not cutting trees and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not we're kind of happy medium between the two of them. I don't think gotta, you yeah. need to like, be completely, you know, mountain person. <laughs> it is like, you know, I do, you know, I started to get certain lifestyles I didn't understand before being like, okay, I see what you're doing here. Um, it's not necessarily what I want to do, but like, I see why you're doing it. If, if I didn't do what I do for a living, maybe that's the thing. If comedy never comes back, if we just like, if this virus is just forever or some shit and it never comes back in that event, I am, I'm going into the woods. Like I'm, I am going to become, <laughs> I'm going to grab a canoe. I'll go to Alaska Aww. and I'm eating berries. It's fine. You know, <laughs> whatever. So you'll be like wearing a bear fur. 
Absolutely. And I'll look good doing it. And I'll, I'll still Instagram it. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, 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 I'll monetize it. Don't get me wrong. It'll or be else rough. It didn't happen. Yeah. I, I, I've become obsessed with the national parks, weirdly, with all of this. And I, now my algorithm on YouTube includes a lot of this clearly um, wildly autistic young man. He's great. Uh, but he's just as he, he, most of the time driving his dad insane in these videos because he drags his father along on these trips to these national parks and he documents like every bite of every fucking thing he has on the trip. Like it's, it, you could just tell his dad is just like, God, I wish I would have just fucking put a pillow on your head when you were three and oh <laughs> doing all this. Um, <laughs> and then the most recent video, cause I'm thinking about the great smoky mountains. He has a girlfriend, which is a new development, but I just know this guy's life now. And I'm, and it infuriates me to think that this guy probably makes a living just going to these national parks and showing me the bridge he walked across. And like, I'm just feeding this sick fucking thing where this guy just lives doing this. And then he probably has a great house and like, <laughs> no, or something. I mean, the point of the podcast. <laughs> now I don't want to go camping. I know. Oh, it's all I, ne I never want to camp again. See, I don't even necessarily love like the sleeping out. Like, I'll get me an Airbnb at the base of the mountain. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, like, that, I would do that. I would do I that love, 100%. Love to sleep in a bed. Love to take a shower. I want all of those things. Yeah. I have a couple of times looked at vans I could put like a bed in during this and realized like I'm, I'm going too far. Like that's never going to – I'm going to go to park in New York City and be insane. I'm not going to do that. So like, but it's getting close, but I love a shower. Yeah. It's, I do all that. I just want to like have that stuff around. I, I was a camper when I was younger. Like I would, mm. I went on like five day canoe trips through Algonquin, four day right. hikes through Tobamori and the Bruce trail and stuff. And like the thought of ever putting a canoe on my back, like, fuck it. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I want to sleep on an expensive mattress. I just, the canoe during the day. I'm, I have a nice, you know, yeah, day I, paddle, a nice little yeah, day paddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The climbing mountain was refreshing. Then we went and had pizza at the bottom. Like, you know, and then <laughs> yes. the I, by the way, I smoked a couple of joints on the way up. I like ate a bunch of edible <laughs> stuff they had cause it was Washington. So every time I go to a state where it's like totally legal like that for a while, I just go be a pig at a weed store somewhere. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, that's fun. I end up with all these fucking edible treats I don't need. Just is it legal in Illinois? It is now, but it's so newly legal that they don't really, the dispensaries aren't fun yet. Like Colorado, California, Washington, Oregon, the dispensaries are like a treat. You go in and there's awesome service and prices are great. Like the prices are great. And I don't roll joints well. I'm just a pipe person. So like, all these pre-rolls are amazing for like a hike. So like, yeah, I got a couple of Jack Daniels cocktails in a can and um, a few joints. And I climbed a mountain with that because I still am treating myself. Or I did. I was worried when I got to the top of the mountain. There was a minute where I was like, did I get too fucked up at the top of the mountain? For a bit. Like everyone wants to get going and I got to be like, no, 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 man. I got to sober up before I go back down this mountain. But Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So maybe what we'll do is we'll bring it uh, back around to sure. um, our, our podcast is about moms. Yeah. So uh, which moms in your personal life influenced you the most? Um, 
Well, okay, not the one that gave me away. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess you kind of did a little bit. It's hard to rate them. Um, I got I got three different moms. I, we can include my own. We just my own moms or moms around me. Any mom. Fuck, that's tough. Because I'd say there's four moms then. Because like there's I'm adopted, so there's that one. So she shaped the way the whole thing went. But she she day to day didn't have much to do with it, obviously. Um, and then there's my adopted mother who was manic depressive bipolar. Uh, she met her second husband in the hospital for depression, but uh, she was, she was a uh, rehab person and she, that made my sense of humor very dark. So I'd say most, when it comes to my comedy, um, her and then my stepmom and my best friend, Carly's mom, maybe not a psychopath. So it was really like, I gotta say, that's a balance. You know, everybody had to prop me up. You know, it was like a triad of propping me up into not being a complete lunatic. Because like you're this close to becoming a serial killer. It was like when they say the village like raises a kid. If it wasn't, if I was just the the child of my mother, I'd be a fucking real mess. So like everything that like any psychologist would say about like your relationship between a guy and, and his mom, how it affects his relationship with women. I mean, I should be smothering you in a desert. Uh, but like, I guess I shouldn't have said that after all the desert talk. It's but, all right, Zodiac. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I should have that. I'm fortunate not to have that. Like, I think because you know, stepmom and Carly's mom propped me up in a nice way. But mom gave me a dark sense of humor because rehab people, like, you just have to tell. It's just t- after you tell your fucking rock bottom story a couple of times, you're gonna spruce it up a bit. You know what I mean? Like, there's only so many times you're going to go through that fucking horror story yeah. before you're, like, through a third zinger or two in to, like, you know what I mean, make it palatable for people. So, like, I think I got funny because her friends were all rehab people. She was, like, that's just where it, like, shaped my, my sense of humor was making those people laugh. And then she'd bring them to shows, which was the fucking best. She'd bring some fucking rehab people to the show, and they were always awesome. They were, like, old ladies that got it better than, like, the young people. It was great. But, um... So yeah, sorry, that's not a defined answer, but it's probably the three of them. But the Carly's, Car- let's give a prop to Carly's mom, considering she didn't even adopt me technically. So like, you know, she swooped in there and was good for no reason. Who so, is Carly? She's my best friend growing up. Yeah, and so like I, during high school, I spent like a lot of. I was a feral kid. Like I just like even from like grade eight, grade, grade seven, grade eight, I started doing this thing on the weekends where I would just leave the house. Now that I think about it, I'm like. Oh, there was a lot of trauma at home. I don't want to be around. So I like had to find something to do. So, but like at the time it was just like, I was just a weird kid Then me. And then I would gather up a couple other friends and we would have this like route around a neighborhood and be like, let's just pop into this person's house and like say hi. And now I tell people that and they're like, you just unannounced one of people's houses. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Yes. Just a thing we did. But My I house was-, was that house where people would just stop by. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we it's just very like, Windsor, though, like nineties Windsor. Enough. Yeah, I forget who I'm I forget that I'm talking to people from Windsor. I can relate this to fucking <laughs> whatever. I mean I was in South Windsor. Okay. So I could just walk around South Windsor at that time and just whatever. Yeah, I completely forget that I yeah. Oh yeah, Brentwood. They were Brentwood people. Let's make let's make all the fucking let's make it little <laughs> references. Yeah. I went to Brentwood when I was in grade ten because my dad sent me there the first time he caught me drinking. And so then I just hung out with a bunch of fucking rehab people for a great 10 summer we spent in rehab. No reason. <laughs> Completely irresponsible on my dad's part, but that's all right. 
I spent my summer with Jerry the sex addict. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, my best friend in the world. He fucked his brother's wife on a boat for, for drinking once. <laughs> Caught me drinking once. That was it. That was I only wow. got. I had drank before. I was like grade fucking ten, but like. You know, like the one time I got caught drinking and it was like by the police, but I wasn't doing anything crazy. I lived in LaSalle. You just, I sat outside the fucking police stop you and we just happened to be drinking. It wasn't like I overturned a cop car and got caught by the police. Like we were just fucking kids. Anyway, yes, went to rehab, spent it with some criminals, <laughs> spent time with criminals. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't live there because they can only take like, two under 18 people at a time or some shit. Like they have some rules about how many under 18 folk they can have at one time. Well, you also can't talk to girls. Like, you know, there's rules about this. Right. So like, because like, there's Jerry, the sex addict, you can't have him just fucking running loose through the dorms. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just, then you have a pregnancy camp because Jerry got fucking contaminated with the population. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Jerry's, yeah, he's an animal. He we can read a book really on Jerry. Sick. He makes me take sex addiction seriously because I was like, oh, yeah, you fucked your whole <laughs> you were- Who did he have sex with? Uh, well, the one, and again, this is, you know, Jerry's, and uh, Jerry might not be his real name. Who knows? Um, but uh, <laughs> he slept with his, like, the story I remember was he was on a boat and he had sex with his, I think, brother's wife. It could have just been girlfriend, but it's whoever his brother's significant other was. He was on a boat having sex with her. I don't remember the twos and the who's and the what's and the, you know, whatever, but like. And, and how old were you when I'm you were around these people? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle of puberty. This guy's my fucking, he's, I Mentor. made my higher power. <laughs> you know, he's who I looked up to. So. Oh my God. And how old were you when you started uh, doing stand-up? 21 i want to say yeah 21 yeah and then whoever um, was the, the family that you had around you was that were they supportive of it yeah because i wasn't doing anything great so like it was like i was in that rare situation where like becoming a stand-up was at least a direction um <laughs> I, you know i i worked a reactor like when i got done in high school oh my I, god reactor yeah, I, I ran the <laughs> teacher contest at reactor and i and then sold weed as I was promoting, like that's, that's what, and by the way, made good money doing it. God bless the fucking early 2000s. I mean, <laughs> it was a simpler time. I worked at Peppers during that time. Oh, hell yeah. Wait, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. 38. Okay. I'm 34. So yeah, we would have probably, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked because I started right. I worked at, oh, technically before I would have been legally allowed to, uh, they've been set on fire since, so they're fine. Um, but, uh, I this is my great story. I love I love explaining to people the Windsor fucking nightlife scene like when it was. We weren't even there in its heyday. We missed the heyday and it was still way crazier than it is now. Um, I don't know. Like in two thousand to like two thousand four, it was pretty. It was crazy. Yeah. It like okay. The only thing was nine eleven was when it started dwindling because you know yeah. when North Americans couldn't come across as much. But like I worked at O. And because I was struggling because they built this gigantic nightclub that was way too big. So they thought everything was going to just keep going and getting better. All exponential growth theory of like, oh, things will never stop being amazing. Like, man, we really, we really thought we had to figure it out. 9-11 changed a lot of shit. It sucks. We were having a great time before 9-11. It's because Americans don't have passports. And so they couldn't come over. For sure. They, they North Korea themselves. 
Um, and so uh, they couldn't come over, and it like would eventually start dwindling. But I worked at O, and I got a lineup one. And by the way, I didn't. There used to there was rules to promoting. Like so in Windsor, to people who are listening, they're not from Windsor. We had this amazing strip of bars, and so what? Amazing is questionable in retrospect, but at the time it felt amazing. Um, and you'd have promoters on every corner, and they would go, "Oh, you know, two dollar whatevers and what." And this was made popular by Jokers initially, uh, and eventually, uh, the further west, as, as downtown started dying, it started from the west and kind of like graduated its way. So those bars died soonest, but always about to die. So you know, I like got a lineup at O, and everybody was like, "That's crazy." So I got hired at Reactor the next day, and I was running wet t-shirt contests, and I was being put up against the beard. That's a whole other story. Anyway, and I'll love- never forget seeing my friend's butt on stage. Like <laughs> I did not expect to see her thonged ass and on like- the Reactor stage. <laughs> and for a prize that, in retrospect, is wildly embarrassing. I mean, it was like fifty dollars in drinks. No, people were doing wild shit. Like we at Reactor, so first of all, Reactor, we had a we had a fucking showerhead on stage for the White Future contest because it was twice a week. We had built in, and so we had Haynes like white already slutty enough on their own T-shirts, and then we would shower these ladies. And the formula was very clear: you kept the girl willing to go the farthest, like people. And the hottest girl. And that's the two that would make it through to the rounds at the end. And then the hottest girl just won because you're like, well, we got nothing left for you, lady. I don't know. There's no encore. So now we just whatever. It was a very clear formula that was established as jokers. It's so funny. The things we did. When I when I worked yeah. at Peppers on Sunday nights, they had the hot body contest, yeah. and, yeah, and it was and it was like a thousand dollars or something ridiculous. The prize was at Peppers. Oh, ours was not anywhere near that good. But did you have a radio station what? or something doing it at least? I don't know, but it was okay. always like off duty strippers that would come. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I need this back. Things. I need this back. And then they started doing <laughs> je- uh, je- uh, jello wrestling at Dante's. Oh yeah, for sure. And, yeah, uh, uh, and we would hand out like we we would be in our little black vests and little black skirts on the streets handing mm-hmm. out like dollar seventy five drink tickets so people could go watch jello wrestling. And my parents' friends called me a streetwalker. Yeah. Like because I look like one. Wouldn't it be wild if after all this is done, that's just, what if we just reverted back to that in the end? It just became the Listen. late 90s, early 2000s again. Just like yellow wrestling just... and hot body contest. <laughs> yeah. These are all the ideas that I'm using on my next birthday party. <laughs> I mean, maybe society flips and like, and God and then you guys are in charge and now the hot body contests are just like, you guys are making yeah. on the stage. Maybe that's what happens. Well, hot, hot body contest in Jello. What else are people oh, going Jell-O? to do with all the inflatable pools that they just yeah, bought? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I just want to talk Objectify us. I don't give a shit. Let's just pick yes. and have fun. I don't care, man. It seems like we need that one side. You fucking be objectified. Uh, guys, I'm getting so hungry. I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Um, Segway, which mom, which sitcom moms influenced your life the most? So that is, uh, okay, two influence, two sitcoms influenced me, but the, but Peggy, 
Mary with Children was a huge influence, but Peggy was not a huge influence. Roseanne was a huge influence. Yeah. I, I hang on to Roseanne dearly because I think that, like, it's silly. We don't allow there to be a flawed person on television now. It's like this mm-hmm. idea that, like, because she was a Trump supporter in the show and all this stuff, we can't have her. It's like, no, we're so po- – like, you can't pretend they don't exist. They're half the fucking country. So, like, it, it's weird. And I, I, I thought it was – comedy has made this weird change where, like – we're not we were supposed to be the flaws like we were supposed to like represent things about the culture and be a mirror to society and you were supposed to go like oh that's ridiculous and obviously like whatever because it's to a laugh track like we're letting you know like no i'm an idiot like that's what we're supposed to be doing and that's she had such an offer i really bums me out that that reboot got canceled because it was a chance to like have a show speak thoughtfully from that perspective. I don't want the Tim Allen show to be on like, fuck that Tim Allen show. That's just like a, a speech every week, just a speech about how we all need to pull our bootstraps up. Like it's that show is abhorrent. The Roseanne show was like, Hey, look at this like conservative woman have to deal with a trans lady. Like, I like that. That was like healthy. I thought I, I hate that. They took it away. And I learned pe- a lot from that. People are too quick to cancel. I mean, at some point, mm-hmm people don't necessarily deserve a platform sure. um but like you know you got to have a conversation first well and we know the difference like i don't anybody who can't tell the difference between one or the other is not the person i want making that decision for me like if you can't distinguish between what roseanne is doing and what a person who is like it's too bad i, I just i really hate taking that lady away because she just yeah i don't know i am so surprised though that she through her age ended up conservative because if you watch the original show like she was kind of against all of that she was but i think that like even in if you watch this iteration she still is like she was still on the trans person's side like i think there's got gotten to be like and i and i'm very like i mean i got a bernie thing over there like i'm a very left-wing person but like i've become sympathetic to uh, to a degree like, you know, like Kanye, I appreciate some of what Kanye does. Now, the statements are these wild – there's a – why I forgive him for his crazy statements is, is that I've known people like him. There was this great comedian yeah, – even calling him a great comedian is a bit odd. But Rick Shapiro is this comedian who in the, like, 2000s had these moments – he'd do these, like, three-hour-long shows and was, like – there's things you could pull from that where you're like, oh, that's incredibly insightful. Like, he said to me one time – he was like, doors are the anti-truth. Now, that sounds like absolutely fucking nothing. I mean, that just sounds like the ramblings of an insane person. And he looks insane, and it seems insane. So, like, you don't take anything from it. But what he really meant was, and it was because it pertained to stage, and the real truth of it is, is, like, the most disingenuous moment we have on stage is the first moment we walk on stage. Because we're like, hello! Or we're like... It's just like we don't know what to do with ourselves. Yes. And it's the same thing when you come to a door and you know there's a bunch of other people on that side of the door. You have this moment of anxiety of like, oh, everyone's over there. I got to come through the door now. And there's just like, here I am. Like, what do you do? Hello. I, you know, it's just this like inauthentic moment we, we continually have as his people. So doors is the anti-truth actually meant a lot of shit when you figured it out. It was actually a really insightful statement. 
but it's all through this gobbledygook bullshit he does around it, which is what makes him an interesting artist and everything. But it's like you got to cut through it and be intelligent enough to cut through it. When Kanye says 400 years of slavery sounds like a choice, it's like offensive to the ears, but it's purposefully offensive to the ears. He's trying to antagonize you with the thought because it'll get you hopefully to think about it. And what the thought is, is that like, it is a choice. It's not a great choice. Slavery was a choice. You could choose to rebel and a lot of people did and they were killed and a lot of their families were killed. It's a terrible choice. But there was a lot of Kanye West who made that choice at the time. There, and you kind of need Kanye's as well as Harriet Tubman's who he also says something about later. You know, you, I think what I've realized, you kind of need everybody. It's an ecosystem, you he, know? He's also in like, uh, I, I read a recent statement by Kim Kardashian, which is funny because, <laughs> but like he, he's having severe issues with his mental health and bipolar sure. disorder and stuff like that. So uh, you kind of take what he's saying that's crazy and you're like, well, is this him or is this manic him? And I've heard from, I have a nice, I have a, a very odd trickle down front to his camp because of friends I have. Um, and, you know, Chad, well, I mean, I won't even, you know, Andrew Schultz's video on Kanye will be great. So just check that out in general. But the general consensus of what I've heard from people who are legitimately kind of close to him is that, like, those are very real things. And the only reason you hear about certain ones because the thought becomes like, well, it's always when he has an album out, right? That's the mm-hmm. criticism of Kanye. But it's like, if you know, because I'm kind of that. I, my mom was manic depressive bipolar. So I kind of, like, I get, no doubt about it, I get manic. I know when I'm, I get manic. When I get really low, I come back manic afterwards. And I'm wildly productive. But I also is another thing, and I think this has a lot of, like, dictatory people have this in common, is that, like, when something bad happens to you and you survive it, when you do have those that personality trait, you feel so steely coming up from it where you feel when you feel unaffected by it, you feel like you'll be unaffected by anything. That's like where you get. And so now when he when he comes and imagine, you know, that's me who I, you know, I have this career that's nice, but whatever. Imagine being at the level of Kanye. When you come through these swings, it's like he must feel so amazingly invincible to he said the things he said. He's gotten away with everything he's, he's ever wanted to do. It's like, of course you feel like you can do what you want to do. We keep reinforcing that idea. I don't want to bring it to Hitler, <laughs> but... It sounds like you're talking about the president. Well, sure. And but, <laughs> with, with all of these people, there's always a similar through line. Yeah. Of, like, look, I got, you know, part of the reason I moved to Chicago was and why New York became expensive is I got hit by a transport truck when I was on tour. A rental car I was on got hit by a transport truck. It was very expensive. Everybody was fine, but it was like a, it knocked me out of the game for a little bit. And like, luckily I couldn't just snap out of it. Like I took me years of like, I had to like, all right, I got to dig myself out of this. I, whatever. I did it the correct way. And just like, whatever. So I, 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 cause I'm prone to that shit. Like I'm a highly emotional person. Like he is and shit too. I could easily see myself if I had just been able to like turn it around in a second, that might've been really bad for me. Cause it would have reinforced this idea that I can just, cause I'm a chick, I, I climb mountains and shit. I'm obviously an adrenaline junkie or like a risk taker to some degree. So if I had had that, it probably would have been bad for me to see that like, Oh, as long as I just put in my energy towards, I can fix whatever problem. So Hitler, <laughs> the, first, yeah, back to Hitler. the origin of Hitler is that Hitler fought in world war one. It had an aberration that his bunker was going to be blown up. 
uh, he had like a dream and his bunker was being blown up. He woke up after the dream and basically instructed everybody in his bunker to like get out of the whatever. A little while later, the bunker is blown up. He saves a bunch of people. And this is where he starts to believe that he was like put here to this higher power and he whatever. Like people have an origin story a lot of times where that shit happens. Kanye, what's the first thing that happened to Kanye? He survived a really bad car accident that wired his jaw shut. None of this was ever supposed to happen. Like he continually survives these things where you're not supposed to come out the other side. And it's like every time we tell Donald Trump, you know, he'll never survive this one and he does again. It's like, you know. Yep. You know, and, and by the way, this is why they love him uh, when, when you're in the belly of the beast. It's because they just hate us. They, have, they don't care about anything he does. It's just that owning us is enough. So, like, we just got to try to be less emotional about it because really, really, like, he does funny shit if you let the emotions wash away from you, right? Like, I don't care about a Congressional Medal of Honor. It means nothing to me. I, I attribute no, – I don't know who the other ones are. It doesn't mean anything to me, right? When he at the State of the Union gives Rush Limbaugh the highest civilian honor in the land, I don't look at that as anything but funny, though. Like I don't, because I, and I get that there's people who have dedicated their lives to doing like to. I get it. It feels but, almost satirical. Well, yeah. because it's it's nothing but going. Hey, fuck you guys. You hate him because he got everybody hates Rush. Rush gets cancer, and everybody's doing moonwalks on his grave because they don't like the guy. So Trump goes, oh, you think it's funny he's going to die? Boom. Highest civilian honor in the land. And it's funny. It is funny if you're on his team. The water thing from that Tulsa speech. It would be, everybody commented on like how they applauded him for holding a glass, for drinking water, right? Well, no, they, what they were applauding was is that CNN had been reporting for like three days. He had Parkinson's and he couldn't hold a glass of water. So he held the glass of water to be like, hey – you see this, how I can hold a glass of water? And he took a drink and like the most badass fucking Andrew Dice Clay impression you've ever seen. He throws the fucking glass of water. He's the president. But he throws the glass of water. It's like Dice. It's like you're watching Dice in the 80s. He's killing oh him. It doesn't make any sense. I watch Dice and I go, I don't get it. I don't. This isn't funny to me. This is not obviously aimed at the sensibility that I have. But I'm not going to pretend like Dice is not fucking killing in a way that no – I mean almost no comedian has ever killed before in the history of humanity. I mean people knew Dice's jokes and they didn't give a shit. Like they just recited them at him. So like yeah. he he murders for his audience. So like – and that's all it's become now. You just got to kill for your audience. So like it's the same thing that's happened to comedy. And it's great in comedy. I love being able to kill for your audience. But <laughs> – what is what are you showing me? The Mary Trump book. Oh, uh, okay. How is it? Have you started uh, it? Uh, no, I got it yesterday. I've read this much. The uh, the back. <laughs> I don't even. I only listen to books, so I can't even. I I would have to go. I've listened to thirty seven seconds of it because that's the only way I I consume books now. Is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? I just. I don't think I. I think if I read, it just falls out of my head. I have to hear it. I'm just like. Whatever type of kid you're supposed to, whatever, you know, I'm an auditory learner. Sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> well, uh, I was just going to bring it back a little bit. Sure. Um, which stand-up comedian moms are you fans of? Well, Roseanne, I mean, again, like, I guess it just had to be Roseanne. I'm trying to think because I love Maria Bamford. Well, Bonnie McFarland is a very funny example of a comedy mom because Bonnie just brings 
Bonnie's married to Rich Voss. And so they're both, you know, working road comics. And uh, so sometimes Bonnie just has to bring Raina places, which is adorable. And sometimes you're just at a comedy club and there's this 12-year-old girl. You know, I, oh, I mean, geez. 12 even? I don't even, like, I can't, uh, yeah, I can't remember when the, how old Raina would have been the first time. But Raina, like, Bonnie is so sharply funny and Voss is so sharply funny that you're almost kind of afraid of Raina because you're like, I don't know, man. You're you might be a child, but you're from them. So like, I'm like nervous <laughs> what you might be like because you don't want to get cut down by a child. Like, oh my god, like, it's so true. You're, you're like, that's the meaning thing that happened. So I, I would probably, I guess, Bonnie is an interesting choice just because your yeah, Raina scares the shit out of me. Like, give Raina five more years, and it's like, oh, she's gonna be a murderer. I yeah, I bet. Um, or imagine if she's just really flat. I mean, her parents, you could also just see her parents and be like, I want nothing to do with this world at all. I mean, it's entirely possible. But um, she intentionally Jay, doesn't say her funny thoughts and just. She keeps them yeah. well, if she's smart, she just feed them to her parents to keep her fucking lights on. But uh, it, you know, Big J's whole family, Big J Okerson's wife is now, ex wife, excuse me, um, has. Ne- well, actually, no, no, I guess wife. You got to get divorced before I call you your ex wife. So no, his wife, <laughs> but you know, whatever. He's had a girlfriend for eight years or whatever. Um, but uh, she, she's gotten in and now Isabella took her, his daughter, took a few classes. So like, you know, so, there's something there too, but now Bonnie, I guess, if not Roseanne, cause obviously I already touched on Roseanne, but I mean, Roseanne didn't influence me as a standup that much. I didn't watch Roseanne standup growing up. I watched the Roseanne sure. show. So, like, it wasn't really until, yeah, probably Bonnie would be, like, the, you know, I don't know. Wait, what female comics, I guess, would I really think about being a mom in that sense? Like, I watched some Ellen. But Ellen wasn't a mom, so. she's Yeah, she's still not a mom. She's a yeah. mom of dogs. Yeah, she's a dog yeah. mom. Isn't adopted anybody? That seems mm-hmm. odd to me. No. Yeah. I mean, apparently she's a monster, so, like, that makes, maybe it's good to not have children around her, but. She's supposed to not be a nice lady. A lot of people say she's not. Yeah. I mean, come on. Nobody that gets to these positions are nice people. This is what we have to learn. You have to. I ain't going nowhere then. Claw. (laughs) Right. Like you have to do despicable things to be at this level. Do you think that's the first time she hung out with George Bush? Was that that fucking football game? I mean, (laughs) she probably tap dance. Beyonce danced for Omar Gaddafi six months before Hillary Clinton you know, sodomized and killed them. Like they, these rich people. Oh my like, God. Oh my God. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's all part of the game. So yes, no, Ellen is probably not a very nice lady. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. But you have to see sometimes on her show where like, she's just not entertained by what's happening. Like, you yeah, see like, that she's, <laughs> like it's like her eyes go dead. <laughs> Oh, she just danced for me. <laughs> I'm gonna have like everything? the craziest dream tonight. It's gonna be like Hitler and Mean Ellen. And Mean Ellen hanging out. But I do, Jello wrestling. I do. Yeah. Think, I don't know. I do think she's nice though. Like she. I mean, you be nice. Know, people are they're no. Well, here's the thing. The reality is, is that nobody is any one thing. I mean, yeah, she's right. probably philanthropic. So I'm sure there's lots of things she does that are wonderful for people. She gives a platform to, you know, a lot of, like, people yeah. in minority groups that need a platform. Lots of good things. She may also just throw cups of hot coffee at assistance. People oh are complicated. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, like, yeah, no. we're just Is we're, that a rumor of something that happened? 
she's uh, well, first of all, the non-rumory parts of this is that like when the strike happened, she, you know, crossed the picket line and just, ha- you know what I mean? Like she's really bad when it comes to unions, when it comes to like mm-hmm. these things, for entertainment oh. shit. She's, she's not, she's not being great about it now. Um, but like the rumors are more along the lines of like, yeah, she is like verbally and, and whatever, pretty like shitty to, mm. to people around her. That's, but that, again, that's here. It could be whatever, but the so, union stuff is, yeah. And the thing about hearsay is like, so I, it was like, it was 2014, I think just bought tickets to see Bill Cosby and then okay. Hannibal does his, yeah, his yeah, thing. Yeah. Sure. And then, you know, there's a lot of news, whatever, it quiets down a little. Yeah, and I'm in a... Cosby right now, this would be hilarious if you were like, the lies they told about Mr. Cosby. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I was in a recording... So I was in advertising for a long time, and we were recording uh, an ad for something. And the the producer, she, she, I was saying how I was going to see Cosby in New York, and she's like, oh. And then she started telling me, like, legit stories through like people that she knew about Mm. him and how terrible and so I was like oh god this is actually real like it's not just and then I went to a show and like and I was so torn because I was like he is funny like he's probably one of the most brilliant comedians that ever existed in my mind but I'm like I can't laugh at this he rapes people like he's like oh here's a lovely drink and he even if you like there's a set that he did in like maybe the 60s or 70s where he talks about putting something oh. in someone's drink oh, and, and it's like Cosby oh, show where it's yeah. like oh, my special barbecue everyone loves my barbecue sauce and everyone's like horny for his barbecue sauce um it's <laughs> it, it really the idea was he horned everyone up with the sauce it's very weird um oh. it yeah well it I don't know I had this interesting thing I, I like to ask people so I'll let me ask you guys this when before he got charged I said if the judge say this was a sitcom right and the judge gave like a, a weird sitcom angle to his set so after this is done he's going away to prison forever same thing we'll never see him again he's gone so don't worry about that but before that we get one of two choices either a celebrity roast of Bill Cosby or under strict supervision, like he can't go out and rape people and stuff. Like we, you know what I mean. Like he's like he's in chains. He does a perk walk between gigs. Like then he gets oh the or whatever. But like he gets to do one last tour of material specifically about. Like he's writing it right now, right oh. as he's in prison, even though he can't see or whatever. He's speaking it, um, and then uh, and then he gets to go out and tour that hour where it's just like so. Tell us what the fuck was up, Bill. You know what I mean? Would you rather just see us tear him down? And like, obviously Janice Dickinson and like a couple of like the more high profile victims get to be on the dais. Hannibal's the roast master. Um, you know, you get like people pertinent to the situation or do you just want to see him an hour, do an hour of what he's good at of like, all right, here it is. You know what I mean? Like, here's, here's what's up. Here's what's wrong with me. Cause clearly I've not been telling you the truth. So like, here's what's really up. Because, like, this isn't just, ha- I mean, there's some, you know. I would if like to know. get all that other shit out, he's got to be able to get this out in some way. Like, how do you get to a point in your identity where you're like, you know what? I'm going to put a pill in that person's drink and well, 
And then also <laughs> chastise every other black celebrity that exists, basically. Yeah. Because their pants are too low. You know, it's like... Which is wild. Every but maybe it was like celebrity. him reflecting, like like yeah. putting it back on somebody else. Like, don't look at me. I'm perfect. Go over there. Well, well it's like, like a closeted gay politician is always the most anti-gay politician. Well, there's something interesting, you know, my... my People would say in, in, you know, racist folk back in the day would go, oh, Bill Cosby was one of the good ones. You know what I mean? Referring to black people. Like, I mean, this is why I feel, I mean, I feel so bad for black people as a whole when it comes to the Bill Cosby situation. Because it was like the first black TV family that was like acceptable, you know, like that was like a, just a normal family. That and white folk would like. Yeah. Yeah. And he's um, ghost dad. He's fucking ghost dad. Yeah, you know, he, he was American <laughs> dad. He was the of all time. Um, he, so I feel bad for that because that's got to got to have been a tough pill to swallow. Sorry, that's not. I did. I really didn't mean that. But yeah, I mean, I guess I think what might have part something that might have been a play there was that like. There's part of the chastising other black because he didn't really chastise any white people, as far as I remember. Like there was no like, hey kid rock, what are you up to? No. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was just other black people. So was there maybe something of like, hey, white this is like nod to like white society of like, hey, I got I got your back, white folks. Don't worry about it. I, I'll handle I'll handle these animals over here. You guys just whatever. You turn I'm a good one. So then mm-hmm. like we all turn a blind eye. To what might be going on because i mean look it took a black guy to expose cosby in the end you yeah. know it like it's so funny i hate when com- comedy gets a stigma of having like predators in it and shit because it's just so like such an entirely missing the point uh like thing it's like everything has predators in it every yeah. industry has predators it has nothing to do with comedy it's yeah. literally the thing that has to do with comedy is the fact that like we're high profile and a lot of times our predators get exposed. We don't yeah. have any predators like laying in the dark anymore because like we happen to live in one of the first industries that's like dealing with this issue. It's there's not like, that there's plumbers that are raping people. Like it's just that there's no hashtag about it, you yeah. know, or it's no Boy Scout leaders and yeah. priests and pastors. They're, and- not, they're not celebrities. So it's no fun. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, people don't like Crystalia. So we jump on the thing right away and like, look, Chris, what Chris D'Elia was doing, is, I, I have no, you know what I mean? Like, he was playing with fire. I mean, you know, he was whatever. But then we did this jump on those things. And, like, both the real mi- accusations of minors against Chris D'Elia, I mean, they both were, like, lying about their age. Like, when the emails came out, it was like, ah, okay, you didn't do anything, like, illegal. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to have a daughter and have him around fucking Chris D'Elia. Like, I mean, obviously, there's some fucking... You know. It's so creepy that that's who he played, though. Uh, I know. You. you know, I think that the, I think the Crystalia situation. If I had to observe it from the outside, well, and I, I, not to reveal too much information, but I have, uh, I am twice Eskimo brothers. If you're familiar with the term, with Crystalia. <laughs> okay. No. But- Me and Crystalia have shared intimacies, not at the same time, <laughs> uh, with. With ladies, I have I've I've been with two women who have been with Crystalia, and one for like a period of time was like his side piece and didn't know it. She, as far as like her recollection of this, and I know he was married at the time, so I'm like, no, no, you were a side piece. You just she didn't know, but she was completely of age. 
but like but did describe some other stuff that was like oh this guy just gets an unbelievable amount of pussy and like is always trying to get uh, i mean he's just was it wasn't an age thing i think with him as much as it was just like he's just firing nonstop bullets and like at some point you're going to hit underage bystanders and like but he was just if you were in his dms he was like at least checking it out to maybe fire back a response like it just seemed like dude was playing fast and loose like crazy what was that eddie murphy bit where it's like women are just throwing pussy at him like <laughs> um, well i don't i don't remember that one necessarily but i do not i mean i remember uh, after three kids i could throw mine <laughs> he, well but the first one was that he doesn't like f words staring at his ass and uh, whatever i mean we forget that the two first bits on those albums are uh, F word and F word revisited. And yeah. then F word's not fuck. So, yeah. um, you know, but that's so it was like that. But I don't remember that necessarily bit. I just remember he didn't want gay guys taking pictures of his ass. So uh, that's why he moved around so fast. Yeah. He, his material definitely would not, his old material does not hold. Yeah, but here's the thing it, it's a reflection of that time, yep. though. You Absolutely. know, it, like, it was aggressive that at that point. Like yep. everybody was like, "Leave him alone." What do you mean? Like, why would we leave him alone? You're like, it was. That's it's like that's why I don't like how much. Like, I could get rid of Confederate statues. I understand because it's like you're celebrating eight months of American history. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But it is start. It does start to get iffy on some of these where it's like. All right, Columbus. I understand he doesn't really represent what we think he represents. I, I, Washington is like, you got to give a little leeway to the fact that like these folks who just lived in the time they lived, like, you know. Yeah, I, the, same true. with like Sir John A. Macdonald here, and like he, to think Sir, he, Sir he was fucking terrible, and he was a part of like genocide, and but he also built this country, and so you just need to have, I think, like a big fucking plaque that's like this guy was a racist but here's also what he did on the statues well you know what was really funny is that a meme got sh was getting shared that of someone tearing down the berlin wall and they were like oh they didn't need this history and i was like hey you fucking idiots have ever been to berlin they left up a bunch of the berlin wall to remind people like that's the worst example berlin is nothing but a constant reminder of the Holocaust. I yeah. mean, it's like Berlin is one giant Holocaust museum. Like it's actually how they handle it. And I think it's a better way of dealing with it. Yeah. I think there should yeah. be a fact that goes, yeah, this guy killed this many people. Like yeah. this, this is what he also did. Like yeah. yes. history. don't tell no history. Like it's so yeah. strange to be like, I don't know. I also digital media scares me. Like, we got rid of all of our physical media. We went, oh, I got Netflix. I don't need Blu-rays anymore. I don't need what, uh, this anymore. And now we're beholden to these streaming services allowing us to see anything that we want to see. We like forgot that like, oh yeah, we're just they're not just gonna do whatever we say. Like they're gonna show and if because of five people write that, you know, the gone with the wind thing, man, it's like I know. No, I just don't get it. First of all, no one's asking for it. Like that's what's the most offensive part to me. Is I don't I've never watched Gone with the Wind. I don't give a shit. But like how much of it's just placating people of color by going like, oh well change the Aunt Jemima. It's 
like, no, arrest the, the person who killed Breonna Taylor. Like, don't do the thing. I do, right. I do think, I, I disagree in the sense that the Aunt Jemima logo needed to go. Like, but the family's mad, apparently. It hasn't been, like, crazy racist for a bit. It used to be crazy racist. The Aunt Jemima logo used to be, like, okay, you know, like an old Disney cartoon. You know, by the way, how funny is it that Disney's the arbiter of fucking morality now all of a sudden? <laughs> yes. uh, fucking, it's named after an anti-Semite. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, change the name of Disney then. You're going to leave Walt Disney? I want to go to Walt Disney and start tearing down the Walt Disney statue. Tear down Mickey Mouse. You know, and being like, well, he was anti-Semite. He represented a bunch of bad stuff. Let me tear uh, down the Yeah, statue. you could keep going. You could just keep with going. the little 30s on it. You know, like the fucking the, the Bambi. Anyway, sorry, not to get away from your point. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what's the thing is, but all of it is, there's just a nuance to all of it. There's like a middle ground to like all of these things are like, yes, yeah, some of them, again, the Confederate statues are stupid, such a small part of history. Yeah. And like most of them went up in the sixties as like a response to civil rights. Yeah, they went up history. because of racism. So yeah. they should go down because yeah. of racism. But like when you build a thing about Columbus, it's like, just be like, yes, he also whatever. And also he thought it was India. And Which is made- hilarious. Like, yeah. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in India. Um, okay, so can you think of the funniest thing a mom in your life has done? Um, yes, I mean, be my my mom's was my mom's a pretty funny woman. She's very she's very cutting. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of like a moment in particular with my mom of whatever because I'm like writing a show about my mom right now. Um. A lot of it has to just do with the world around her because, again, with the rehab people and this, like, she lives in this elderly – well, okay, so my mom – I moved – when I left New York after the accident, I went back home to Windsor for, like, three or four months, and um, I did this awful job for the time I was back because uh, I, I just acquired all this debt, so I was like, I should get a day job, which, by the way, was one of the stupidest decisions. I mean, I, if I had just done gigs – it would have been so much better. But anyways, I was in a bad place. So I did this fucking gig where like I worked for the public housing and public school board. Just like cutting lawns and then like doing clear outs on public housing and like some of the jobs pretty horrific. And my mom's building, she lived in assisted living. And uh, so I had to do her building. And so somebody died in her building, which is what her building was for. It was a government subsidized place for people to die. Uh, was someone died and so mom was like, oh, she promised me uh, this China cabinet when she died. And I was like, okay, I can't really like whatever. But here's the thing about when you try to clear out a dead person's place in one of these old people's building. We couldn't get the garbage in the garbage truck fast enough that these old people weren't taking it back out. Oh for themselves. I mean, they were like circling. Like we had to have – we had one person just stand by the truck guarding it. And, like, even that was, like, they were still trying to, like, test the fences like velociraptors to see if they can get some of the garbage. It was crazy. And my mom was, like, I want a China cabinet. There was no China cabinet. I think my mom was just lying and hoping there was a China I think my mom just wanted a China cabinet and was just hoping that if she said it, there'd be one and I would give it to her because we had, like, the inside scoop on this garbage. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that was whatever. My mom – yeah, I, like she had a wheelchair for the last like you know a few years of her life, and just had my mom was just not a considerate lady. Whenever I see like an old, like older woman 
who is just very considerate, not even what it would be considered a Karen now, something worse than a Karen necessarily, because Karens can be like put together. When I see like a kind of sloppy older woman who has no regard for anybody around her, like, okay, I was just in Washington and I took a ferry to the San Juan Islands. And there was a woman on there um, who wasn't wearing her mask and she just coughed. And like oh, everyone else was wearing her mask. And it's just like, she just had no, and it was just proud, like didn't give a shit. Not like even as a political statement, because my mom wasn't that. Like that's where it gets into caring territory where she's trying to prove a point. This person just doesn't care about anything. So whenever I see someone like that, I immediately have flashbacks to my mom. Uh, like I have a resentment of that woman in a way that is touching on something to do with my relationship with my mother. Because my mom just didn't care about folks at all. We'd go to the hospital. She People would be waiting for the elevator at the hospital. She'd cut all of them and just get on the elevator. And they'd be like, come on, come on. And I'd be like, I'm not getting on an elevator with you. You're insane. So I'd have to like, go take the stairs because I'm not going to cut like a bunch of people with cancer on an elevator. Like it's, in, you know, and so uh, she had this wheelchair and I would have to do a light jog because she would just set it to five. She didn't give a fuck. She just set it to five and like whatever, because four was too slow for her. So like, yeah, I would just have to like kind of jog a bit to keep up with her. <laughs> it was not fun really, I suppose. <laughs> but like, I mean, it's funny in that like, she's a funny character sketch of a person, but she's very wildly a considerate woman. Would she laugh at all? Like, did she yeah, my mom, find funniness in well, anything? So like my mom loved my, like me, we didn't have a good relationship. My mom kicked me out when I was 14. Um, because me and my stepdad didn't necessarily get along, who I ended up later on in life going, ended up really loving my stepdad. Um, but even actually after he was my stepdad, he was my ex stepdad before I learned to appreciate him. But, um, she loved my comedy. And so like, that's kind of how she got brought back into my life. Cause I would come back to Windsor and do shows and she would bring a few rehab people and we would have a good time. And so when I, my first CD came out, I um I recorded a CD because I was touring with Doug Stanhope, and it was great. He could, you know you could just sell a ton of merch doing it, and so I recorded. Sirius XM was recording a couple of my sets to like stream, and so one of them was just really good. So it was like a thirty minute album, and I remembered I had done two different sets, and one of them I did mom stuff, and the other one I didn't. And I was pretty sure this was the one that didn't have mom stuff, but I didn't listen to it first. But I was like, that's I, you know I was confident it wasn't. So I gave mom the CD, and she called me like thirty minutes later. And I was like, fuck, did it have mom stuff on it or whatever? And it wasn't that. She called and was like, oh, I just wanted to tell you, I love the bit about the child's rectum fracturing. And I was like, <laughs> oh, uh, thank you. And I was like, oh, that's like my mom's sense of humor is my sense of humor. Like that's like where I got it from, you know, so. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was she had an appreciation for what I did. Whereas my dad, great man. That's why I work hard. Is why I'm a decent human being. Is my father, like you know, I needed that yang for sure. Um, but um, but he hates my comedy, and not, not not in a way of like stop doing it or don't pursue your dreams. Like he's been very it's supportive. Just not his thing. It's just like I think the last time he came to see me, I was in a pretty large abortion chunk, and uh, he like he came in at the beginning of the abortion chunk, and he was like gone before the end of it. It's just like he's <laughs> gonna agree a lot of stuff. No, he doesn't want anyone, and, and the way I talk about it, particularly, he doesn't want to hear it. So it's like, you know, it's just not for him. But just fine. He's respectful of it. It's just not, you know, whatever. Yeah. So. Comedy is subjective. 
And he doesn't like my dad loves America's Funniest Home Videos. I mean, that's what my dad loves. Mm. So like, it's not. If I was up there getting hit in the balls, it'd be a great time for him. But it's not. <laughs> like, this is just he doesn't like stand up in general. So yeah. at least he's still supportive. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's good. He's good. Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's do a rapid fire. Your okay. top five favorite moms. It can't be um, anybody you've mentioned already. Okay. Shit. Because we've oh. talked about all those. Nope. Eliminated my moms. I've eliminated Roseanne. It, it, it can be up. fictional, historical, no, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. cartoon, okay. like uh, real people, like friends' moms. That type. Okay, of let me. Well, I already. I mean, I got Carly's mom, so I can't include that. But let me think of other people. All right. <laughs> now you're like, why did I say so many moms? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of moms. Yeah, I would have kept it a little tighter. Okay, let's try um, try your best. That's all. Well, no, no, let's do three. Try, I do it. No, I like no, no, five. I like challenge it. Because, <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to think of in movies. Is there a fuck? No, because it's Goodwill Hunting. I don't know. I'm trying to think of movie moms. I'm trying to think of <laughs> moms. Fuck. Um, the Catcher in a Rye mom wasn't good. I'm trying to think of what influenced me in ways. Whose mother was even good? Yeah, I guess you. I guess you don't get a lot of those Bechdel test things, huh? Maybe that is important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got to do some more of that stuff. I can't think of a lot of strong mom characters. All the Disney moms are dead, so that's out. Yeah, like I love Juliette Lewis in movies, but she never plays a mom. She's always a psychopath in movies. Meryl. She Street. was a mom in a TV show. Wait, in Suits. Um, she was. You, are, you uh, thinking, are you thinking Juliette Lewis or Juliet? Louise Dreyfus. Uh, yeah, I, I think I got. Yeah, I think I got the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so a, that's, like, that happens. That happens commonly. Julia Lewis is like, um, she was the, the girl in Cape Fear. She was yes, uh, not so born She yes. fucking rules. One of the greatest compliments I ever got in comedy was from Julia Lewis. I was wow. headlining the comedy bar either before, whatever the time slot was. Todd Berry was like the opposite time slot, and she thought she was going to Todd Berry. And so after the show, and it was me instead, and after the show, she came up and she was like, I meant to see Todd Berry, but you weren't a disappointment. And I was like, and at the time, I didn't realize how much I loved Julia Lewis, but she's fucking awesome. I wish you could put she her in She is awesome. Yeah. Doesn't do anything but, for Yeah, me. I don't think she's ever played a mom. That's no, crazy. She was too young and too like crazy looking, so it doesn't fit. She doesn't um, really scream mother figure to no, me. No, but she could have played a crazy mom. Okay. She'd be yeah. a wild crazy mom. Um, the mother in secession right now is great. She like does her best to keep that family going in a good way. I can't yep. think of her character's name, but she's a side character. She doesn't appear a lot, but the mother in secession is good. Um, fuck, there's one. Uh, <laughs> who did a good job of raising their kid? It's like all my favorite people. See, here's the problem is like, I didn't have a good, like, so I'm sure I probably gravitate towards characters they don't have a strong relationship with their mother. I'm sure that's, that's but like, it can be, they don't have to be great. They just have to be your favorite. No, I know. I'm just even then I'm sure it's mostly like a lot of like my favorite people are all like ex heroin addicts, you know, like, <laughs> a wheel and like, you know what I mean? I don't think they mentioned their mothers. Like who knows if they even had moms. Um, <laughs> uh, how about Pete Davidson's mom must be doing something right. So I'm going to say Pete Davidson's mom. Yeah. He's actually a nice fella. He's like, he gets a bad rap. Pete's a, Pizza nice. Amy I love him. I love him too. And I have nice things to say about Amy Schumer, and she's now a mother, so yep. I'll put Amy yes. Schumer in there. As say what you want about her comedy, I've never seen her be anything but good to the people around her, so I would like to include her in that. Yep. Um, uh, 
I okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I can do this. My ex girlfriend uh, Jody, her mom uh, Judy, wonderful mother. Uh, was nothing but a fantastic mom. Uh, whatever. So I will include Judy in that. She'll never hear this. If she did, she probably wouldn't even like it because I'm sure they don't like me. Uh, <laughs> whatever. So big up to you. And um, who is another? Uh, I my my best friend growing up, Ian's mom, uh, Carly. Ian was the, my best male friend from a younger age. Like I, he was like from like six on, and they just I got into all of my trouble at Ian's house. So thank you to Ian's mom for being fairly negligent uh, <laughs> and allowing us to whatever. <laughs> Those are the best moms. Those are my favorite moms. You too. need negligent moms in your life, and I think you that, do. You know, yeah, you I, need someone's basement to drink in. That's what it was. We had the drop ceiling. When I had to go to rehab, it was because we had alcohol in the drop ceiling. We moved inside, <laughs> whatever. And we went for a walk. We could sneak out of his back door. And they got like a hot tub and a pool. Like they were the fun parents. Yeah. And like, I think they fucked in front of us once. I'm pretty sure like now that I go through the memories, because like, why would I have this memory anyways? But they were like on a like reclining chair and she was like facing the kitchen, like on top of the dad. Like I'm pretty sure she like secretly rode the dad in front of us. Like not like, banged hard in front of us but like whatever it's a, it's a vivid memory from my childhood there'd be no reason why it would be other than like they fought in front of us i'm gonna have the craziest dream the craziest dream i'm so scared to go to sleep <laughs> so on that note thank you so much for coming <laughs> today where can our listeners find you uh, I just right now Rob loves arguing and everything. I might have an outdoor tour coming. I don't know. It's but it won't be in Canada. Yeah. In Canada don't even. I can't even cross the border right now, so don't expect to see me till like 2021. My comedy festival, everything will be back next year. But until then, I mean, you know, you're pretty much out of fire luck when it comes to me. So, yeah. So good luck over there, guys. You seem to be doing fine. So. Thank you. Yes. Good luck to you. Yeah. Good luck. Stay safe. And I'll fend off the rioters. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Bye, ladies. Bye. We want to thank Laura Vella for our logo design, C&D Productions for our audio editing, as well as each other, and you, the listeners. We'd love it if you could give us a review wherever you're listening. You can find us on socials at Moms Are Not Funny. Thanks again. Have a great day. Bye.